Hi everyone, Sandman here. Today I'm going to talk about politics, so I'm going to show everyone pictures of national parliament buildings from different countries that I've visited, as well as the ones found in my own hometown, Toronto. Anyways, back in February, I went to Karen Strawn's lecture here at Ryerson University, and in the audience was a guy called Nick Redding. And Karen was joking with Nick because he was running in Ward 8 in Edmonton, Canada on the Patriarchy Party platform. I'm including a link to his political satire pamphlet as well. His campaign and political party are a joke, and more performance art than anything else. But I would suggest that Nick keep running, and possibly even grow, the Patriarchy Party across Canada. Who knows, maybe I'll run as a Patriarchy Party candidate here in Toronto. There would be no chance of me ever winning unless the world went completely down the toilet and women needed men to do everything for them. Anyways, the reason I'm bringing this up is because in Sweden last month, a female politician was the first one ever to be elected for running for the Feminist Party of Sweden. Her name is Soroya Post, and she's part of the Swedish Feminist Initiative Party. And they pulled in about 4.3% of the vote in Sweden. And they needed only about 4% to get a seat in the European Parliament, and they have done it. People in Europe are worried that ultra-right-wing nationalist political parties are going to take over Europe and create a national socialist or fascist government. But imagine if instead there were liberal fem-Nazis marching around the streets of Europe in 10 or 20 years. Imagine if women in Europe started voting together to get more of the dwindling economic pie across that continent, and push men out of positions of power in the process. In modern democracy, the majority of voters are women. So if you influence female voters, you can win the election. That's how President Obama got elected to the White House for two terms. And that's also how in the Canadian province of Ontario, the first female premier was elected here in a majority government over a week ago. Times are certainly changing when a female politician gets elected as a leader, and no one is surprised by it. And I'm sure that no one will be surprised in a couple of years if Hillary Clinton is elected as the President of the United States. In recent years, women have made their voices heard. They don't want the government to cut back spending, and they want more and more money spent on social programs. So governments go deeper and deeper into debt to fulfill the hypergamous demands of the majority of female voters. More government jobs for women, more health care, and just about more of everything government-related. The governments in Europe, as well as North America, are going bankrupt because of their entitlement spending. There are many unfunded liabilities that Western governments have promised to pay, and what will happen when they don't? More government doesn't make a country prosperous. Only more free enterprise and the availability of cheap energy can do that. Yet energy is getting more and more expensive, and corporations are leaving countries with high tax rates, especially the ones in the West. Many women voters want more services provided for free by government, from here to infinity. My prediction is that when the economy starts to decline, and the energy crisis takes hold, much of the economic growth that we're used to will disappear. And women will then vote for radical parties like the Feminist Party, so that the gravy train can continue to provide them goodies, all the while blaming men for the economic decline. In Ontario, Canada, the province that I live in, there is roughly $20,000 in debt for each man, woman, and child that's living here. By comparison, in California, one of the most highly indebted states in the United States, that number stands at almost $4,000 per capita. And Ontario has a much smaller population than California. Ontario has 13 million people, while California has about 39 million people. That's three times the population, yet Ontario has double the amount of debt. And yet no one here is talking about that. 
the liberal government elected here recently is promising not to cut spending on social programs and even plans to expand them. 9% of all the money being brought in through provincial government tax receipts goes towards paying the interest on the debt. In California, that number is closer to 2%. Mm. Whenever I turn on American political television, it seems like it's always talking about the bad position that California is in. But people here in Ontario never talk about the situation that we face. Around the city of Toronto, Ontario, where I live, there are many female mayors as well. Hazel McCallion has been the mayor of a city called Mississauga, just west of Toronto, for over 30 years. North of Mississauga, you have a city called Brampton, where Susan Fennell is the mayor. Toronto is going to also have an election shortly, and Olivia Chow is probably going to become the next mayor. Women everywhere are recognizing their political power, and now female candidates are being voted in more and more into positions of authority and power. Olivia Chow and her late husband Jack Layton are in this picture that I took a few years ago. Back then they lived in subsidized housing and were paying $350 a month in rent until they were found out and then voluntarily paid $800 a month while many people were waiting on the list to enter subsidized housing that they were living in. Susan Fennell of Branton has been accused of spending hundreds of thousands of taxpayer dollars on hotels and trips that were spent on herself. Hazel McCallion has also been accused of conflict of interest because she was working with her son, a land developer in the city of Mississauga, where she approved construction for his properties. I'm not saying that only female politicians are corrupt. Many, if not most, politicians abuse their power and privilege, and that's not the issue. The real issue is how we're going to pay for all of this debt down the road. Why are the majority of women voting for more and more government? And the answer to that is quite simple. Many women look to the government as a replacement for the man. The state is the provider, and just like many women influencing their husband to spend money and get into debt, the majority of female voters are convincing the government on all levels to throw financial accountability out the window. Now let me return to the issue of the Feminist Party and their first candidate that got elected to the European Parliament. There's a lot more going on here than meets the eye. According to the article I referenced earlier, the article says that women's issues are center stage, and that's exactly where they should be. That's what the article is saying. That's like saying, men don't count, or if you vote for us, we'll take care of women first. Whatever happened to equality? I thought feminism was about promoting the idea that men and women were equal, and not about putting women's issues center stage. Did I miss something, or have feminists been lying to everyone for a long time now? I know and you know that they've been lying. But now that they're getting political power, they don't have to hide behind lies. They can stand out in the open and tout their real agenda female superiority. By the way, the female initiative is also the political party that wants to introduce the man tax in Sweden. Again, what happened to fairness and equality? Men paying more taxes doesn't sound equal now, does it? Their idea is to increase female participation in the workforce by taxing men out of their jobs and having them stay at home more taking care of the kids instead. No doubt Swedish employers are hiring men for jobs that in many cases only men can do and Swedish feminists want those jobs for themselves. And a brutal bachelor tax in Sweden would mean that Swedish men would not only leave the workforce, but they might also leave the country and go somewhere else where they aren't being as heavily taxed. As increasing numbers of men pull out of the formal economy, they will then move their skills and labor to the informal economy instead. As a result, government jobs that are mostly held by women, as well as other state-sponsored labor, will no longer be affordable and the state will have to fire female workers. But if they fire them, then they'll lose votes, because like I said earlier, the majority of voters are women. 
and the government is caught in a catch-22 situation. If a government becomes fiscally responsible and balances its books, then it's forced to cut social services and hurt women, so women won't end up voting them back into power. And if they give women what they want, then they go bankrupt a lot sooner. So the priority order for politicians is to keep their jobs first, and then to pander to women and stay in office second. If they don't, then they lose their jobs. Their priority is to continue to get elected. And at some point, they will either cut and lose their jobs, or the system will crash, and they will lose their jobs just the same. However, the crash will probably come a lot later than we think, and they will probably extend and pretend and cater to female voters as long as possible. And then when everything comes down in the end, they will leave women in the lurch. The age of the career politician will come to an end at some point soon. What I'm really scared about is that if society begins to break down, women might vote in crazy feminist parties to pillage and fight for whatever wealth and resources are left. Resources that will most likely be needed to build new low-energy infrastructure and create well-paid and high-quality manufacture and food production jobs for men. My YouTube channel gets most of its traffic from the United States, then Canada, then the United Kingdom, and then Sweden. And a lot of that traffic from Sweden is coming from women. Go figure. I wonder what they're doing here, and I wonder if any of them are from the Feminist Initiative Party. Maybe one day I'll find out. I'm also going to give everyone another vital piece of information before I finish this video. I'm also including a link to the Fraser Institute study comparing California's debt to Ontario's debt in the description below. Now you can see for yourself just how bad the situation here is in Ontario, and no one's talking about it. And yet our new female premier has now made the largest cabinet for our province in the history of the province. It's clear from the study that I've added in the description below that California looks like the better horse in the glue factory. Not that it matters anyways. But at this point, there's no stopping the runaway debt that our society faces. Anyways, thanks for listening, and thank you for taking your daily dose of red pills. So enjoy the rest of your day, and cheers. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.